0: Will you please stand for the reading of God's Word? Today, we will be reading from Exodus 35, verses 30, through um, chapter 36, verse 3. Moses then said to the Israelites, "'Look, the the Lord has appointed by name Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah.' He has filled him with God's spirit, with wisdom, understanding, and ability in every kind of craft to design artistic works in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut gemstones for mounting and to carve wood for work in every kind of artistic craft. He has also given both him and Ohaliab, son of Ahizamach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all the work of a gem cutter, a designer, an embroiderer in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen, and, fine linen, and a weaver. They can do every kind of craft and design artistic designs. Bezel El Ohaliab, and all the skilled people are to work based on everything the Lord has commanded The Lord has given them wisdom and understanding to know how to do all the work of constructing the sanctuary. So Moses summoned Bezalel, Ohaliab, and every skilled person in whose heart the Lord had placed wisdom, all whose hearts moved them to come to the work and do it. They took from Moses' presence all the contributions that the Israelites had brought for the task of making the sanctuary. Meanwhile, the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. Let us pray. Um, Father God, thank you so much for all who are present this morning, and thank you for giving us this day to come and worship you. Our scripture reminds us that just as you gave Bezalel and Ohaliab the skills they needed to carry out your instruction, that we can trust that you will also equip us to do everything we need to accomplish what you have called us to do. I ask that you are with David this morning as he um, presents your word, that you will speak through him and that you will open everyone's hearts and mind to hear it, to understand it, and then to act upon it. Um, we love you, Lord, and I ask all of these things in your name. Amen.
1: That was awesome. <laughs> uh, the classic tale, tale of Bezalel and Aholiab. Pretty self-explanatory. If there are no questions, I can just call Drew back up. If you want to close us out this morning. Mignon, that was that was awesome. Um, all I kept thinking as you were reading was what must Byron be thinking when last week we gave him two verses out of Romans and we gave you Bazal and a holy ab. We are in a little different part of the Bible here as we enter into the second week of our January sermon series. Last week we're in Romans. Now we find ourselves here in Exodus. Now, this isn't a part of Exodus that that many of you are familiar with. And if you're truly going to grasp kind of the depth of what we're talking about, the first thing we need to do this morning is do a quick 50,000 foot recap of this epic second book of the Bible, Exodus. It's kind of split into three more or less equal parts. You have Exodus chapters 1 through 15, and that's the account of the Israelites, God's people, and their deliverance from slavery in Egypt, from centuries of servitude. It culminates in the famous story of the parting of the Red Sea as Moses leads his people. Second section of the book of Exodus, chapters 16 through 24, that's the account of the Israelites, God's people, as they wander through the wilderness. They've, they've just come out of slavery. God has quite Miraculously, in every sense of that term, saved them from Pharaoh. They're already grumbling, whining, complaining. Come on, Moses, won't you just please stop at the circle K and get directions? And in the middle of all of that, this kind of uncertainty, this theological darkness, they don't know exactly what God is doing. Moses leads them by God's hand to Mount Sinai. That section culminates at the top of Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments, the commandments that follow that, and the covenant between God and his people. The third and final section of the book of Exodus, all the way from chapter 25 to the last chapter, chapter 40, in great detail lays out the dimensions, instructions, and construction of the tabernacle. The last section culminates in the tabernacle being filled by God's glory, by God's presence. Now, when I look at Exodus, split into these three equal parts, I often wonder why is the tabernacle so important? Why does it take up one entire section? I mean, you've got these first two sections and they're action-packed and they're epic. I mean, Charlton Heston, Let My People Go, and the the Red Sea parts and You See the Whales. We've all seen the cartoon. We know how it works. You know, he's up on Mount Sinai and the Ten Commandments and all of those things. I mean, This is exciting stuff. And then 15 chapters read like stereo instructions. Look with me back as we begin this last section in chapter 25, starting in verse 8. The Lord is speaking to Moses after the commandments and the covenant, and the Lord says, now they, my people, are to make a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. He then goes for chapter after chapter on what that's going to look like. For example, chapter 25, starting in verse 23. You are to construct a table of acacia wood, 36 inches long, 18 inches wide, and 27 inches high. Overlay it with pure gold and make a gold molding around it. Make a three-inch frame all around it and make a gold molding for it all around its frame. Make four gold rings for it and attach the rings to the four corners at its four legs. The rings should be next to the frame as holders for the poles to carry the table lived for Europe in a long time, I've put together many, many, many pieces of Ikea furniture. Pretty much, that's what this is. Chapter after chapter of instructions of how to build the temple. As we first explore Why God spent so much time on this tabernacle. The first thing we need to do is remember Genesis. Remember the garden. And remember that in the garden at the fall, what was lost was access into the presence of God. What was lost was access. To the Creator. When Adam and Eve were thrown out of the garden, there was a divide for the first time between man and God. The literary structure of Exodus shows us that the ultimate need of people is not for deliverance from physical oppression. Deliverance from the slavery and servitude of Egypt. It's not even for deliverance from theological darkness that the people received through the covenant and the commandments. The ultimate need of people is deliverance from alienation from God. And that is is what God provided in the tabernacle. You see, what man lost in the garden, God is beginning to repair through his covenant with Abraham and his descendants. Remember, his descendants are the nation of Israel. And there in the tabernacle, God is beginning to bridge the divide that was created in the Garden of Eden. Now, if you remember during our Advent series throughout December, we we talked a lot about the high priest. The high priest that would go once a year on the day of atonement into the Holy of Holies, into the very presence of God, carrying the sins of the nation with him. That day of atonement when the sins of the entire nation would be atoned for In the person of the high priest in the presence of God. We also learned during that Advent series that Jesus Christ came and through him that veil was torn. Through him we all have access to God, right? At the very beginning of John, John chapter 1 verse 14, we see that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt literally means to tabernacle. That verse, the beginning of John, could be translated. In the person of Jesus Christ, God took on flesh and tabernacled among us. The very next chapter, in chapter 2, Jesus talks about his body being the temple. Jesus says, I will tear this temple to the ground, the physical temple that was in Jerusalem, and build it again in three days. Speaking specifically of, of his body and of his resurrection. You see, Jesus became flesh and became the dwelling place of God. We then learn that as followers of Christ, as we are in unity with a risen Messiah, then we become the temple of the living God. That's what, that's what Paul teaches us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Through Jesus, we no longer have a need for the tabernacle. We no longer have a need for the temple. We no longer have to come to a building like this to enter into the presence of God because through Christ, God lives in us, right? We're all clear on this. So there's a couple of things we learn through these passages in Exodus. First, we are reminded of our desperate need to enter into the presence of God. These passages don't necessarily tell us what to do. We're not called to build a tabernacle, specifically as prescribed by Exodus chapters 25 through chapter 40. But it does tell us how we are To enter into God's service, to build his house, to be a part of his will. Not what to do, but how and why we do it. Douglas Stewart says, the tabernacle building project parallels what the work of God at its best has always entailed an opportunity for everyone to contribute in some way and also an expectation that everything would be to the fullest and best extent and quality possible by the people best qualified to do it, called for and guided by God. You see, what we see in these passages is a reminder that each of us are given skills, gifts, tools that allow us to express, allow us to reflect the glory of God, allow us to come alongside him and serve in the execution of his will. We see in these passages in Exodus, as as Moses Goes on and on and on about the instructions God has given them, and he, and he tells the people to come forward and to contribute and, and to bring their offerings and to bring their skills and to bring their services. It's not just the rich, it's not just the highly skilled craftsmen. It's men, it's women, it's rich, it's poor, it's young, it's old. There were those that came and spun yarn. There were those that came and made intricate carvings. They brought everything from fine linens to goat's hair. All of which they were impressed upon by the Holy Spirit to bring every gift, every skill, every action equal to all others because they are done as an offering to God and to reflect His glory. We see in the passage that Mignon read for us this morning, expertly, I might add, that some were called by name. Bezalel, Oholiad, called out for a specific task, for a specific purpose, called out by name to contribute to the building of God's house. What unites all of these practices is God filling those workers with his spirit. You see, you may not know this, but but here in Exodus 35, this is the first time that we see someone specifically filled with God's spirit for a task. We are reminded in this that the building of God's house, the execution of God's will, is His work. It is not ours. Do not ever be fooled into thinking that God needs you, He does not. And that should fill you with such a great joy and confidence as the burden and pressure is relieved. The recognition that God's will will be done. And we get the opportunity to enter into it, right? we get the opportunity to use the services and gifts and resources that we have been given, that we have been blessed with to enter into his will. These workers, Bezalel, Oholiab, and all of the skilled workers that came together, all of the craftsmen, all of the artists, all of those that donated the supplies and the finances, they were all filled with wisdom and understanding. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were given that which was necessary So that God's will would be done because it's his and not ours. There are New Testament passages that that reflect this concept. Turn with me quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and allow me to read verses 4, I'm sorry, chapter 12. Allow me to read verses 4 through 11. Now there are different gifts but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord and there are different activities, but the same God produces, produces each gift in each person. A manifestation of the spirit is given to each person for the common good to one is given a message of wisdom through the spirit to another a message of knowledge by the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another, the performing of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing between spirits, to another, different kinds of tongues, to another, interpretation of tongues. One and the same spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each person as he wills. So many different expressions of gifts and talents and resources. And obviously this list by Paul is not an exhaustive list. All of them given by the same Spirit and all of them being used for his glory and not for our own selfish gratification. So, chapter after chapter after chapter, verse after verse after verse of God telling Moses specific dimensions and instructions for the building of this tabernacle, for the building of this house in which he would dwell with his people. Moses then relaying all of these instructions to his people and we get to chapter 35 and it's go time. All the instructions have been laid down. Now it's time to go. Verse 10, as Moses is speaking to the people, let all the skilled artisans among you come and make everything the Lord has commanded. He then, from verse 11 to verse 19, reminds them of all the stuff they're supposed to build, all the stuff he's told them about. Let everybody come, because now it's time. And in verse 20, what happens? Then the entire Israelite community left Moses' presence. They all went home. You see, Moses was not a high pressure salesman. At no point in this passage does Moses guilt trip the nation of Israel. At no point in this passage does he manipulate people into service. Moses doesn't beg. Guys, what we really need is some purple cloth. We did the budget this year and we thought we had enough, but it turns out we're way short on purple cloth. We could have this whole tabernacle thing figured out. We've done the capital campaign and everybody's brought everything, but we are way short on goat's hair. If you've got goats and you love the Lord, go home and shave them. You don't see that. Moses laid out God's vision. Moses told the people it's time to build the tabernacle. The people went home and then look with me in verse 21. Everyone whose heart was moved and whose spirit prompted him came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, for all its services, and for the holy garments. Those that were moved by the Spirit, those that were prompted by the Lord... Those were the ones that came and gave and had the honor of serving, of carving, of building. The Lord moved them, not Moses' words. Several months ago, a gentleman in our church came up to me after the service. He waited in line, spoke to me and said, Hannah, God spoke to me during your sermon. I'm like, yes, it's happening. I was like, all right, all right, tell me about that. He said, God told me that I'm supposed to build a communion table for the church. I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit disappointing because I don't think I was preaching on communion or tables or anything like that. Um, I was certainly taken off guard by it. And he looks at me and he says, I know it sounds odd. I don't understand it either. I've never built a communion table. I don't really know how to build a communion table. But God very clearly said to me today, I'm supposed to build a communion table. He's like, all right, who am I to stand in the way? So he goes home, don't hear anything about a communion table for a couple of months. And then one day he calls me. Is anybody at the church? I'd love to bring the communion table to you. This man had cut down a couple of trees in his yard, had them milled. He had never done it before. took the lumber as he was led by the Lord and built that table right there. And nearly every day I'm in this building, I walk into this room and I see that table and I am grateful for the way God is moving in the lives of this congregation for, grateful for the way God is moving in his people. And it doesn't always look like I think it's going to, and I am beyond grateful for that part. How many of you with kids are grateful that we have a safe place for them to come on Sunday mornings and learn? How many of you show up here every week and are grateful for this stunning room in which we get to worship? How many of you see these random brown blankets around our building and are reminded of that season 12 months ago? Don't laugh at me. When the boiler was broken... And we spent weeks in this room with it 48 degrees, under blankets, in our knit caps, worshiping the Lord. And now you come in on this January cold, wet morning into a dry, heated room in which to worship. God specifically laid on people's hearts the desire and the skills and the wisdom to get all of that done. How many of you are reminded of how amazing and miraculous it is that there is a congregation, a local expression of the body of Christ sitting here on the corner of Holly and 16th in East Nashville. Because but for families like the Corseys and the Ingrams and the Terrys and the Bonds and so many others that followed the spirit moving in their lives, this would have been an apartment complex a long time ago. All of these are incredible testimonies of how God builds His church, not the building, but the body. How God executes His will through His people, through hearts that are moved, spirits that are prompted. In ways we can't even imagine. This is what the story of the building of the tabernacle in Exodus reminds us of. This is what we see. God moving through his people to exercise his will. We come here this morning... with an opportunity to reflect the glory of God the love of God into the world. We sit here this morning with an opportunity to show our community, our friends, our coworkers their opportunity to enter into the presence of their creator. It is the stated mission of our family of churches to engage the whole person, spiritual, mental, physical, emotional, the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ, Anywhere, anytime, and with anybody. You have an open invitation to be a part of that. My question to you this morning, and my challenge to you this week, is to ask yourself how God is moving. You. Would you pray with me? Lord, we come before you this morning, humbled and amazed by your presence with us in this building. Grateful that we do not need this building to enter into your presence. Remind us that the building of your house is a sacred task of which we are all honored and blessed to be invited to play a role. It's in your son's name, that we pray. Amen.